the way that I hear people talking about pineapple on pizza is they they often frame it as like, oh, you're one of those kinds of people who likes pineapple on your pizza. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does it mean? Like as if you've got some kind of horrible character flaw. However, if you enjoy raisins in a brownie, yeah, you have a horrible character <laughs> flaw. Yeah. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 228 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and uh, I'm a horse man. I'm Adam and I'm a man horse. I'm Sam and I'm a centaur. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is a centaur, a horse man or a man horse? Uh, it's I'm a, both. It's a hundredth of a tour. Know what I mean? Bang, bang. <laughs> uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today mm. is Spooktober Skeleton. Nice. 20 grand team. Now we got- That's why we're dressed up in these horse outfits. And we did have Spooktober- no, that's why we just wear horses. Yep. Very <laughs> spooky. It's what, horses. You know those, horse. uh, those horse costumes where one person's the butt and one person's the head, and yeah. that's what we got going on mm-hmm. right now. We got our mics in there. It's stuffy. three of us. How does, where's the, who's the what legs? One person yeah. is just- <laughs> Who's the is, what One person is just rolled up <laughs> in the middle as the belly of the horse. They rarely yeah. talk about the belly. I thought the there was a centaur, person. so we put someone on top of the front legs person. Yeah, like sitting on the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's how it's done. <laughs> also, before we go any further, uh, there will be profanity in this show. Just so tons of it. If you don't like that, then you don't have to listen to it. The end. Yep. We'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net who uh, just let us grab their money all the time. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go there and we'll grab your money. Or you can just leave us reviews in various places, and that's also super helpful. Mm-hmm. Right, let's talk about life. We changed our schedule. Yeah, today's actually our life. This schedule. is more of a studio news, but where I care. I think uh, <laughs> you're referring to the podcast schedule. I assume the podcast schedule and our studio schedule. Yes, we're now on a on a 16 hour sprint. We twice, talked about that last. Yeah, twice weekly production time. meeting. So we've done it now twice already. Yeah, which is really fast. Yeah, because we recorded our last episode on Monday, which was three days ago. And, and we've already we, had two production meetings, done a whole sprint and a half since then. Yep. A lot of stuff got A lot of stuff too. is happening. The weird part is we do this little ritual before production where everyone shares something that they're excited about that they finished uh, and then something they're thankful for for the team doing uh, or someone helping them out or something. And the weird thing was now that we're on the 16-hour sprints, it's actually really hard to think about those things. Because things are happening so fast. They happened so fast that I just forgot. I 100% have forgotten what happened, which is weird. But I feel like there's five days. There's enough. You can that kind can remember. of. I only, <laughs> I only remember the last half day. Right. Normal sprints. And I just assume that was basically what happened for the last five days. Speaking of forgetting things, I do want to mention that I just ordered some a Bluetooth USB thing for my computer. Okay. And it's a dongle and it talks to the tooth. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so. I got one of these because I was like, I don't know why, but I don't have a Bluetooth hookup on my tower in the office. And this is madness. Turns out uh, today, so it arrived in the mail today. I ordered this like a couple days ago. Or Sampy ordered it for me. Um, I was looking at my desk and I just noticed this USB that was sitting there. Uh-huh. It's actually been there for like two weeks. For some reason, every time I've seen it, I'm like, what's that doing there? And then I just haven't even looked at it. It's like a quarter of an inch away from my hand. Okay. <laughs> I, I picked it up. I picked it up and finally read it today before it I went down. Bluetooth well, because on it, it, it said Bluetooth because it's it. basically just a tiny black rectangle with a USB plug on. Yeah, it. for some reason I've just been seeing it and just hadn't. Just nothing was grokking. And there. the great part about this is, is that this was plugged into your computer earlier. Yep. At some point you removed it, and then, <laughs> and then a while later you were like, "Why doesn't my computer have Bluetooth?" <laughs> 
And then and you completely forgot that it ever had it. And then the whole time you've had this uh-huh. Bluetooth dog just sitting right next to your hand for weeks. <laughs> the one that you had removed. And then at a certain point, you tell Sampy, we need to get some Bluetooth dogs for a computer. What, what an is <laughs> This is why no one should ever be impressed by, well, me in particular, but maybe anyone. <laughs> by really, anyone. Any, really. Anyone, yeah. Just a person. Uh, just yeah. Ambling, ambling along. Yeah, or around or down or whatever. You know. Uh, but you did manage to take second place in sand volleyball. I did. Which I think we should talk about. So, yeah, my you, wife and you I. You personally or was it a team it's situation? It's a team of four, actually. So it's supposed to be played with six. So you played 1v4. We played no, four, 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 four pieces. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so my wife and I uh, played with some friends of ours, and just and also against some other friends of yours, against just some random, random enemies, okay. just strangers enemies who I hate. You found some enemies. I mean, mm-hmm. you were playing sports against them, so you have to hate. I them. hated them. I hated them deep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I decided my strategy was so the first couple of games were fine, uh, but my strategy after the. Sort of third night, so basically, you, you meet up every week to go do this. And after the third no, night, I don't. Well, what we did oh, okay. was to just show up and basically be as ridiculous as possible because none of us are any good. And so we're like, we're good enough to play to like have volleys happen, but there's not a lot of intentionality happening, you know. And so I was like, I'm just gonna show up with as much of this weird energy as possible and just gonna have a good time. So we did this uh, last night. The problem was it was 50 degrees. Yeah. Which seems warm uh, until you're in sand, which for some reason is always colder than just the coldest just, reaches just, of the planet. Yeah, it just conducts heat. Which is weird because when we started the season, it was hot. Or does and then it not sand, conduct heat? Which one does it do? I think it – I don't know. Whatever it does, it's bad. Well, here's the other <laughs> data point for you. Uh-huh. During the summer, the sand was so hot that you couldn't stand on it. Yeah. So we started at the end of the summer, so it was so hot. And then last night it was so cold that I couldn't feel my feet after the game was over. Have you considered uh, like foam volleyball or uh, or water polo? Or was that show the one with up in snow boots. With water time. polo is where you ride a horse through a swimming pool. Right. Yeah. Uh, but since yeah. you're, you're already <laughs> half horse, so you can just – I'm right. actually <laughs> speaking of being half horse. Now you said MVP. it was four on six, but you're half horse, which means you have four legs. And two arms, which is an insect if you think about it. <laughs> You think about it. Weird. <laughs> Centaurs are just insects. They are. Yeah, they don't make sense in the evolutionary tree. No, really. they don't. Um, but yeah, so if you got four legs, do you count as two people in the context of volleyball? I don't think so because you just got one brain, you know? Tell me your brains you got. And, and I also want to know – What if you don't have any brains? Do you just get to be on the team? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just have as many brainless – You just get to show up. So, okay. So really if you could just make sort of a zombie horde – yeah, you, you could, could win any volleyball you, match. Because, yeah, you just get full coverage of that court. Full no coverage. Bone. Can't even get the ball down there. Nope. Just now, the question I have zombies. about this centaur situation yeah. is is baby centaurs. There's that drawing. Have you seen that drawing? I've seen a drawing of baby centaurs, which is essentially because horses come out and they're like, I got this. And then they just start fucking walking around. Mm-hmm. Baby humans take years to reach a point of being able to even like see things in front mm-hmm. of them, you know. Well, so more, more importantly, they're very floppy. Their they, neck's very floppy when they come out. Yeah. They can't support so their do you end they're up, always upright. So do you end up with like a fully mobile horse body with a, <laughs> with floppy, a floppy baby? Infant. Yeah. Tough. Hey, this drawing, it's somewhere <laughs> on the internet. It's so funny. It's just a bunch of these 
Well, they're baby centaurs, I guess, F- running slash flopping around. And also, is it rude to ride a centaur? What is the what's the etiquette around that? Because mm. you know, it's kind of a horse, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's inappropriate. You do get to hold on to abs though while you're riding. Oh yeah, it's a pretty good deal. It's mm. probably like if you have like a really tall, strong friend, you shouldn't just be piggybacking them all the time. I feel like it's a similar sort of. That's scenario. true. That's rude. That's rude. Just, yeah, but even like, you're even tall, your tallest, you. even your tallest friend is not as strong as a horse. Well, <laughs> Sam's got some I got very some strong, very friends. strong friends. Yeah. Uh, okay, so your <laughs> so your feet froze, and then, That's it. and then we. Uh, but the problem is, we ended up having to play back to back because uh, one, our game went a long time because it was a really good matchup. Our first game, and so we ended up taking forever. And so the other team got to rest for like thirty minutes before mm-hmm. coming back into battle with us. And we're also a team of four, which means we were just running around the whole time, frantic. And so, yeah, we ended up losing in the final round, but we did take second place, which I'm very proud of for a team of four people against six. So I'd say deep down you won. Yeah. And deep down the other team were a bunch of losers. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And and we hate them. Yeah, all, we just, all of us do because we're on your team. Yep. Yep. Got jerseys. That's how sports do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I want to talk about 2019. Oh, God. Because my laptop died. There it is. Uh, it's 2019. And as – as has apparently been the case throughout all of our podcast episodes this year. It's time for everything to break. A week can't go by without <laughs> something just breaking. Uh, last episode, Sam's wife's car got crushed by a tree branch. Mm-hmm. The week before that, Sam's dishwasher exploded. My roof had a leak and I had to replace the whole roof. There's been a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So this time around, my laptop just uh, stopped charging. Mm-hmm. It's actually the second laptop I've had this happen to in the past few weeks. Yeah, you apparently forgot I had about two laptops. Yeah. Now I don't have any laptops. It's just a lot. That's so, what you get because it's, it's 2019. It's 2019. So, uh, are we on a are we on some kind of like an escalating curve? Like as the year is ending, it's just gonna get them all in. This there. is like a final destination situation. <laughs> We're like, 2019 is coming for us, and it's gonna continue to use increasingly elaborate mm-hmm. schemes to get us until it finally gets us for. But what is this ultimate? Because this strategy seems to be all about breaking our stuff. It's just it's annoying. It's just gonna so. break our shit. So yeah, what's the I guess the culmination of that is probably an earthquake. Whoa! And there is a there is a fault line in St. Louis. Be Scottsdamus. Oh shit! Like a huge fault line. So you're saying? <laughs> don't say it. You're, you're saying jig- New Year, come for uh, New Year, 2020. Don't do it. Don't St. Louis it. is going to sink into a, a oh, hole yep. in the earth. The river is going to flow backwards, and the whole the whole works. Think of how fucking crazy it would be if that actually happened. It did after happen. we? No, I, I mean, mean like, like okay, like we're just sitting here talking about it, pegging a date. Right? Uh-huh. And like, boom. For January 1st, 2020 happens. St. Louis just falls into a pit in the earth. The Mississippi River flows backwards. Yeah, I'm yeah. not into it. And people, don't jinx it. And people would have yeah, been like – I don't like, think I have earthquake insurance on I'm my knocking house. on all the woods right now. That that might sound terrible for our listeners. I'm not really <laughs> sure. It's fine. I'm not there. sure how that propagates. You know what sounds more terrible? Us falling into a pit. It depends yeah. on how much you're going to scream while you do it. That's true. It could be a silent affair. You know, it's all, it's all would, on you, really. I probably would be so startled I wouldn't say a word. That's kind of how I think it would be. I would just be like, I would just be too, con- I would be too confused. I would just silently fall No, you'd have one of those, you just go, shit. And then, <laughs> and then you'd kind of just slowly, yep. I guess, I guess norm, at normal speed because, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's gravity. Do you think you can buy earthquake insurance for your house I did. in St. Louis? Did you? Yeah. Maybe I do have The it. thing is, it's if you're in a place that's not prone to earthquakes, it's super cheap. Yeah. It's like the ones ten dollars on the policy. I'm actually for making like a, a note right now, so I don't forget that. Yeah, I you, it. don't go cursing this land and then yeah. not buying an insurance. Yeah, policy no, I think I think if you if you can get it, 
full coverage for like $10 a month for even like a very rare event, fucking do that because, yes. man. Insurance is the best. You're going to be filled with regret when St. Louis falls into a sinkhole <laughs> and your house, you didn't get sinkhole insurance. Unless you don't live here, then you probably won't be that blocked by it. Yeah. Uh, All right, what else? So now we're on a four-week patch cycle yeah. here in the studio. Uh, we were on a one week, and then that was pretty fast. We switched <laughs> to a two-week cycle mm-hmm. so we could spend a little bit more time getting things out. And then we kind of hit a point in development where uh, we needed a little bit more time. Well, we've just but, got all these big things left to do. And we haven't been able to do them because they're big. Yeah. And uh, it turns out if you or have something. Bugs. Yeah. If you have something that takes three weeks to do and you've only got two weeks to do it, you know what happens? Nothing. Yeah. And you also don't fix any bugs. Yeah. So, you know. So all we have left are really big things and a thousand bugs. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more like 200 bugs, but, you know, okay. it's a pretty good number of bugs. It's a lot, yeah. Um, so this next week and a half, basically, Seth is almost exclusively just crushing bugs. I'm showing up to work in a in a, in a sort of a tan-colored uh, jumpsuit. Well, it's mm-hmm. not tan anymore. Now it's disgusting. It's covered, covered in, in bugs. Bugs. bug parts. Uh, I'm coming to work. I got a I got a big termite on the top of my car. Mm-hmm. I'm the pest control. I'm coming in here spraying, asking for sugar water. Yep, the whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole thing. yep. It's a Men in Black situation uh-huh. over here. But the nice thing about it is it has allowed us to slow down key things, which is basically the problem with pumping out so much stuff so fast as we were doing. Um, is that while it's really fun to get all that material out there, uh, the reality is there's there's still tons of there's tons of leftover bits that we never really took care of that we're now finally getting to tidy up. And then as it relates to the, the newer stuff, um, there's plenty of these things that to do them right. We just, we just way, we just needed way more time than, than a two week cycle was giving us. And so, uh, yeah, it's been good so far. Do we want to give some sneak peek peeks? Sneak previews? You already snuck them in that, uh, blog post. Oh so. yeah. I'm writing a weekly developer blog thing. So yeah, if you want to, if you want to know, check it out, just go to bscotch.net and you can read about what are the next steps. If you've got a feed reader, you can just slap our, our blog right into your RSS mm-hmm. feed thing. If you got a read feeder, then you, you can – Whatever that. What it, <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and I think I think there's an interesting, interesting consequence of trying to go too fast when it comes to QA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a QA team. It's part of a pipeline. We make the build. It goes to QA first. It's automatically deployed to them. And then they basically find all the shit that we broke and then they send it back and they're like, this shit is broke. And then the consequence of that is that like we have a plan for the week. We've got things that we said, yep. here's what I'm going to be doing. And, I, and the time is allocated. But then when stuff comes back from QA, then now all of a sudden the, we have to maybe change the plan. If it's a crash or whatever, uh, then, then all of a sudden everything gets thrown off, off track and we have to undo – like undo stuff and everything gets ruined. Get a new patch out. Yeah. Um, and so there's this interesting this, part of our conversation uh, as we were doing our quarterly review is about this question of it sucks to spend time in meetings and it sucks to spend time just like talking about stuff and trying to figure out what you're going to do. But what sucks even more is when you don't take the time to plan things out effectively and then uh, you end up getting hit randomly by that work later, just in like mm-hmm. a completely unpredictable way. So the analogy that that we kind of landed on for this is that is that uh, the QA testing system is like a rubber ball where it's like if you throw something at it really fast, it's just going to come back at you really fast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the more things you throw in there, uh, the harder it is for them to send stuff back, and then you end up 
overwhelming the system. And, and so we're, we're kind of hitting a point in our development philosophy where it's like, we want to do things well. A little bit slower. Yeah, yeah. A little slower and a little bit better. Yeah. Because uh, I know our, our level head players will probably recognize that like, there were some bugs in this scrub and ocula patch. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to be there now until the next patch comes out. And we so we're developing checklists and some extra systems to make sure that we don't uh, run into those situations. So it's a lot, but we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the last bit of studio news is that things are about to get whack. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Adam's going to be gone for two weeks. Mm-hmm. The studio is going to be closed for two weeks, which is going to be well, over, a different two weeks, though. a different two weeks. And that's going to be over the new year period. Um and then, and then we just got random things happening. We're trying to fit our patches into this whole schema, and we're also going to be recording podcast episodes at very strange times, at very weird times. <clears throat> and so, what we're going to need to ask of our listeners is, we need to be hit by a deluge of podcast questions. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be the case that we're going to have to record several podcast episodes in the same day, and we have to do that multiple times. Mm-hmm. Throughout this next coming months, uh, which means we're going to just do a few episodes that are just just us answering questions. So hit us with as many questions as you can. Just go to podcast.bscotch.net and do that, and we're good. Speaking of questions, let's get on to questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, highest voted question over at podcast.bscotch.net comes from Retro Banana Man NL. It's pizza time. What pizza do you order? Also, what's your opinion about pineapple? I found out pretty recently a lot of people have trouble with that on pizza. I love it, though. I love it, too, and I don't I understand. I also love it. I don't understand. I, I understand not liking it on pizza. Sure, you can not like whatever you want on pizza, but to have a hatred for putting pineapple I feel like I this think it's is the a, same as any food taboo, you know? I think, because I think... But when was it a taboo? Because ever since I have existed, there has always been pineapple on pizza. It depends on what you grew up with. You know, like, what did you grow up? Because we grew up eating pineapple on our pizza, right? So that was like, that was never weird to us. But if it was, if any, like, that's the thing about food. If, if a food item is ever weird to you because you haven't experienced it by the time you were like 10. It's kind of like how I hate if someone puts uh, like raisins or nuts in my cookies or brownies. Which I also hate. And I feel like that's justified. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally different. It's totally different. Because that's a, that's a texture problem. Yeah. You know? now, it's like, I, I was going to say. You're eating this cookie and then all of a sudden you're, and all of a sudden you're chewing gum. Yeah. You know, like. You're chewing mm, a weird dead raisin. Yeah. I don't think Especially so. in the context of ice cream. I was enjoying my smooth, chocolatey, buttery, brownie thing. I the same yeah. thing with booze and ice cream. Booze like in it? Yeah. Because there's boozy ice creams. Yeah. Like Clementine's and Zinos is what they have. A bunch of boozy ice cream. No. I don't want that. I don't want to taste rum. I'm here for ice cream. Yeah, what man. you want to do is you want to take your shot and then just yes. enjoy pure ice Separate cream. Separate. So really things. all we're doing is we're just explaining exactly why people hate pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Which okay. is because we all have just frankly, I mean, my whole hate, my whole raisin hate, I know it's unjustified. You know? Raisin hate. I hate raisins. Well, no, that's not true. I love raisins. I just hate them no, but, cookies but and then, ice cream. But here's mm. the thing. This, this also ventures into the territory of – uh, the way that I hear people talking about pineapple on pizza is they, they often frame it as like, oh, you're one of those kinds of people who likes pineapple on your pizza. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does it mean? Like as if you got some kind of horrible character flaw. However, if you enjoy raisins in a brownie, yeah. you have a horrible character <laughs> flaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. So here's the thing. It's – I don't understand how you could possibly not like pineapple on pizza. <laughs> uh-huh. But if you put nuts in a brownie or raisins in a cookie – uh, you get have you ever here. met a person who doesn't like chocolate? I've met a few in my life. I've, I've met a few. It was yeah. always startling. You know? 
<laughs> well, I think, but uh, I think for the same reason as the pineapple pizza thing, you know? Yeah, it's just whatever you're. I've met like, some people who are allergic to chocolate, and that's oh, yeah. I get that, you know? No, that sucks. But yeah, I think uh, I think uh, I, I have I have gotten a, over my in my age, my my wise old mm-hmm. white bearded age. Um, I have just tried to embrace eating just basically just anything, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Know. And it just actually is basically universally the case that kind of everything works. Everything's pretty yeah. fine. It's all pretty – it's all acceptable. Uh, yeah, except, you know, raisins in a cookie. <laughs> but so everything – I mean, you could eat a scorpion. That's fine. You can eat a chicken foot. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. You put raisins in a fucking cookie. Well, get out of here. Don't try to put raisins in a scorpion. Don't even try. No. It ruins the texture. Uh, I actually <laughs> – I'm trying to think of anything anything else I don't like besides raisin and co- raisins and cookies. So I that actually I just, I just like that I just don't like. Yeah, and I can't. I, I had an, a lot of experiences in in India that were very uh, jarring because Indian food is all about mixing of textures. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of sauce, and there's a lot of like solid things in the sauce. Right. There's this kind of thing called a pani puri, which is essentially a cracker that's that's shaped like a ball. So it's like a hollow ball, mm-hmm. a cracker. sphere cracker. Yeah. Uh, and what you do is you t- take your thumb and you like punch a hole in it. Cool. Sounds awesome. Then you, then you take just all kinds of like savory stuff, uh, like various in there. chickpeas or like whatever mm-hmm. it is with spices, of course. You dunk it in that hole. So you kind of like fill this ball up with filling. Sounds great. Then you take this sort of like spiced water and you fill it. So this is a soup dumpling. It's a soup, but it's a cracker. So what soup happens is dumpling. you put it in your mouth. It's and, hard. And it's hard. Uh-huh. And then you bite it. And it's literally the second you bite it, it's, it just fucking explodes <laughs> and fills your mouth with water. And but also the filling. So now you're you're chewing a hard cracker. You've also got soft filling in your mouth, and you're drinking at the, <laughs> at the same time. That and sounds awesome. Yes. The flavors are great, but I'm sure it's a bit as much a, in terms of uh yeah, as a as a Midwesterner, it, it where like you keep you got your peas, you got your mashed potatoes you've got your meat like everything is just kind of like sometimes you put your mashed potatoes on your meat though you mm-hmm. do sometimes sometimes if you're feeling real yeah if you're feeling really rebellious then mm-hmm. you can do that but the uh the texture mixing is definitely where i just had a hard time with it i enjoyed and it i wonder if that's what it is it maybe because growing face. up we basically didn't do a lot of texture mixing Except the one context where it was common was fucking raisins and cookies, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. this is an abomination. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then that was like the, my, the one time I faced growing up mm-hmm. that that concept. And and of course, I was too young to be able to appreciate new things, right? Is so then the I, I developed a hatred for that. And now mm. something like an exploding soup bomb with infinite texture sounds awesome, awesome. and really intriguing. But I still hate raisins and cookies. Well, I guess I need yeah. an answer to the question of from our listeners of why it is that pineapple shouldn't be on pizza. Because I always thought it was a taste thing, but that doesn't make any sense to me because it tastes good. Yes. Objectively. Ob- yeah. yeah. You <laughs> literally can't taste. argue. So is it <laughs> is it similar to this raisin thing? Because like – I don't think it's it, a taste. Is it no, a texture thing? Because no, pineapple chunks are like – they're slippery little demons. You I know? don't think that's what it is because especially when they're cooked on a pizza, then you kind of like the, the outside gets kind of a little crispy, you know, and, and mm. they're not really slippery anymore. I think it is. It's that taste conflict between somebody thinks of pineapple purely in, a, in the context of sweet fruit things right. and they think of pizza as savory items because I think that's, that's the one thing I think is, is definitely true, certainly for our, our upbringing anyway, is that you don't do a lot of mixing of sweet and savory. Right. Even sweet potatoes, we were like, these are confusing because they're called sweet 
but they're clearly savory to us as Midwesterners. Quick, so, cover them with marshmallows. Fill them with marshmallows <laughs> uh, and uh, brown sugar, mm-hmm. right? There, now I can't taste any of the Yeah, now it's anymore. dessert and, it's, and it satisfies the name and it's not confusing anymore. It's Close fine. call. Yeah, That's exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's just, I think it's that kind of a thing. Mm. All right, so on to the meat of the question. Which would you order? Or the pineapple of the question. What, what kind of pizza you order? It's pizza time. I actually do <laughs> do pineapple uh, pineapple pizza, so I think they're delicious. I usually get a pineapple pizza or uh, just straight up cheese. It's going to depend a lot, like enormously, on where you're getting your pizza. Let's you say know? you're getting your like you're feeling lazy and you want pizza, so you're getting your like What's classic, your sort of classic pizza. Yeah, I go to Domino's. Or I don't even go. Is Domino's the one that has show up? Yeah, Domino's is the one that has the fun like tracker. Yeah, they got the hilarious. They're trackers. like somebody's got it in the oven, right? Uh-huh. Like like Jim Jim's got it in the oven, and yeah. and Pam is over here like driving it to your house or whatever. Jim and Pam, uh, classic yeah. pizza delivery. Pizza. Domino's <laughs> has been following the DevOps model for they have a lot longer, for a long time. Yeah. Make the work visible. Yeah, to your it. to your customers. Yep. Uh, People. Well, I mean, DevOps is really just about applying physical work practices to software. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That's true. Domino's had it. Domino's has been doing software development forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if I'm just getting like something like Domino's, then I'm probably getting I already know I'm I'm basically trying to destroy my human body. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what it's about. So then I go all in. Because if you're gonna go in, you should just go all in. And so in that case, I always get whatever the you know the cheesiest mm-hmm. covered in the most number of sauces. You get those like stuff crust ones where they Somehow insert an that's entire an option, tub you of gotta cheese. Do it. Mm-hmm. That is that, that is the one thing that that I don't opt into. Really, which is I used to opt into that, but I think now. What about honey crust? Somehow that seems I do to get the honey. Some crust, places though. have crust with yeah. honey inside. What? If there's yeah. a honey inside, it's just like a sweet crust, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's not bees inside making the honey. Bee crust. Oh, bee crust is the worst. Just I, I think it doesn't pizza's just fucking great. I think the one it thing the one thing, again, objectively, thin crust is garbage. I think we can all agree. <laughs> no, thin crust is fucking great. Thin crust is now you're eating a cracker. You're eating cheese on a cracker. Yeah, that's cheese, not cheese pizza. on cracker is like one it of the best food. My favorite yeah, snack. No, that's true. But it, it's cheese on cracker. It's not a pizza. No, you want a, a pizza, get a pizza. You a, want cheese on cracker, get cheese a on pizza, cracker. A pizza is just cheese on a variable width cracker, a variable height cracker, you know? It's like you make mm. it real thin, now it's a thin crust. You make it real thick, now it's a thick crust. But it's still, in the end, just a crack. But it doesn't crack once it gets thick. Therefore, it's bread. No, that's, that's because <laughs> that's cause you got to cook it well enough. You know, because most of the pizzas that you buy are just like floppy little. Crackers are still bread, right? Yep. Yeah. It's like a squares of rhombus. It's got a crack, though. That's what makes it a cracker. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or All just right. look like it could crack, I think, is mm-hmm. also sufficient, probably. Yes. I think we've I think we've covered enough ground on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know we could talk so long about that. All right. Carry on. <laughs> Specchio asks, how do you decide how much freedom to give players in a creative game like Levelhead? For example, the individual properties on each item, the ability to change colors, and the appearance of game elements – or even the potential to overload the game and bring it to a screeching halt. Mm. How do you find a good balance? And how much power are you willing to give creators even at the risk of it being misused? This is a fun one. This is this is something that we've our position on has changed drastically since we actually got into early access. And before we'd have tons of discussions whenever we're putting a new item in about basically the, and trying to answer that question like, oh, but how will players use this to harass each other? Right. But the reality was we found out that that is the sole focus almost of every single player who starts making levels is actually making something that is terrible for someone else to experience. It's really weird. Because it's fun to build a death machine, turns out. Uh, Yeah, it is, but I still find it really weird. I do find it weird, but, you know, whatever. And so we realized that any tool we gave people 
because basically as soon as you give people the ground and spikes, for example, then they do stuff like make you jump through one tile gaps between spikes. Yep. Which takes so much finesse and so much precision that you can literally, as soon as you have those two pieces, now you can make someone have a really bad time playing a level, so far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, so this came up every time we were discussing stuff like the secret areas. The reason why the secret areas didn't used to exist for everything was not actually because of the art requirement, but because we were like, well, you need to be able to trust some kind of ground in this game. Well, that is why there's only a few kinds of secret. Like, you can't make anything be a secret. Or I guess you can now. You can make anything? Yeah. Well, no, just the just the, the terrain, just the, the terrain, or the terrain, tile, yeah. Yeah. tile types, yeah, yeah. But we don't have it, so that you can also have like things that aren't terrain pieces can now also just be like invisible. secret spikes, or yeah, something. secret spikes or yeah. secret whatever. Uh, so that there still is a limit to mm-hmm. it, yeah. yeah. But so a lot of our our thinking has changed, basically recognizing that anytime you give a human being a tool, it is also a weapon. Yep, just that's sort of just what it is. Uh, when they so, say if you've invented the car, you've also invented the car crash. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the vehicular manslaughter. And road yeah. rage and everything else that comes with it. So part of it was recognizing that that's just kind of, that's just what it is. And so weirdly enough, it's, I, we've kind of gotten more relaxed about it. We just put stuff in that we it's think is liberal. good. Um, it's like. That'll be fun to build with and then we don't worry about it because yeah. you could have already been building terrible things. Well, and the focus is on, on, on the discoverability side, yes. right? And making it so that. Because, yeah, you can spend your time making just garbage, shitty levels that people are going to hate to play. Mm-hmm. And people people do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but by having things surface the way that we have where it's in the marketing department, so you now have to get your things seen by people. You have to go intentionally boost it up the charts, you know? Then that's you basically investing. Like, you have to now invest in the idea of giving people a bad experience. Mm-hmm. But if people go play your level, they're not going to play through the entirety of your bad experience. Nope. The moment they're just like, this sucks, they're just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fun thing about it. Like, the reality is that People are looking for an out. People are always actually looking for a reason to quit your level. Yeah. And that's just, it's true as, it's as true as it is in sort of the game making reality for us, right? Yeah. People are always looking for a reason to not buy the game, to not participate because there's so many options. It's the same thing. And so the reality is that if you're making one of these bad things, you can't actually count on more than the first like 10 seconds of it being played very much, briefly. Um, Even if you make a full video game over the Yes. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and so it's, it's just all kind of fine. Uh, so mainly what we've been focusing on now is just what what sort of tools can we can we deliver that um, that allow people to build things that they just could not otherwise build is sort of the, the goal. Yeah. They're well, going to weaponize them. That's fine. Yeah. And it's otherwise about things being predictable. Because we, we still have people who want to be able to just basically change literally everything. They want to have like yes. anything, have anything, have any properties and so on. And, and we're going to – and we're still – we still have a hard line no stance on that because mm-hmm. even though it, you can make a bad experience, but it's still going to be an understandable experience, yes. right? If you're, if you're working within the constraints that we've provided, but if we just remove all constraints and we're just like, okay, now you can upload any, any assets you want. Right. So now all of a sudden we don't, nobody knows what anything is anymore. Uh, or now you can make enemies be not hostile sometimes, or sometimes they chase you from an entire screen away instead of when you get right. too close or whatever. Then all of a sudden the game becomes too unpredictable. Yeah, you want a consistent play. play experience, but with plenty of room for people yeah. to do fun stuff. And as far as the whole like choosing colors for all the items thing go, um, a lot of this actually comes down to the fact that being able to do that requires a tremendous amount of both technical uh, additions to the game, as well as mm-hmm. the art actually has to be constructed completely differently. Um, the art can't have color in it. It actually can't have color. And what you end up having in that scenario is, uh, as far as the shading goes, is that you end up with with a shading scenario where the colors basically have to become desaturated as they enter into shadow. 
mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't sound like a big deal probably for people, but it, it will make the game look uglier, like our older games. Um, <laughs> so, well, but it's, yeah, what it basically means is that there, there will still be an optimal color for every correct. item, and everything else will be different. Yes, but also worse, yeah. right? So, because uh, things will get muddled, and yeah, and so I. As far as like how our time is spent, that's that's just much less of a high leverage thing in, in Owl actuality because the the cost for it is actually tremendous. Yeah, and, and there's it's we could have some items that basically mm-hmm. just are designed to be recolored. That's their mm-hmm. whole thing, right? Um, but we don't like certainly not everything needs to have that. No, and and the things that do have it, it should be recolorable for a reason, you know, because if you can just recolor again, this comes back to that idea that things should be understandable and, and predictable. Um, and so it's, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool to be able to mm-hmm. make this thing, whatever color you want, but the, but colors are supposed to indicate something, right? There's a reason why when you scale pop enemies in the game, they change color. So that mm-hmm. when you look at it, the it's silhouette's a different size and it's, and it's, it's also a different color. So you can very, very quickly understand what that thing is. And if we ever wanted to add additional modifier, modified behavior. So like, what if there were power-ups on enemies now? Like mm-hmm. if an enemy ran into a thing, it could change behavior. We're gonna have to indicate that probably with a color change. Mm-hmm. But if now we can't. Right. You know, so, so I, so I think, yeah, we, we design where colors mean stuff or, or at minimum they're designed to fit into a particular yeah. context. Um, but we have to use them for meaning constantly. Mm-hmm. And there's 256 million colors. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of them. Um, I don't necessarily, it's, it's one thing to allow players in some specific context to choose colors, but, uh, mm-hmm. turning the whole toolkit over such that, it, such that people can make really ugly stuff is not something that I want to have. No. I want to be the case of whenever you still you, shouldn't have ugly screenshots. Yeah. That's the idea is like whenever you, you submit a level or people see it, they should, they should have a very easy time being like, this looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is that while it's, it is true that for some people being able to give them like some color palette thing would allow them to do something even crazier than what's currently in the game. Um, the reality is that for most people, they'll just accidentally make ugly stuff. Yeah. Cause it's just what, it's just, if you don't know what you're doing, it's just what happens. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to make stuff that looks good. Yeah. Yeah, really, the only thing that's that, like, what the constraints just serve to it. Like, there's always going to be people who want absolute fine control over every single piece, uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of a weird uh, sort of like demographic of the player base to try mm-hmm. to tailor things to because there will never be enough. Yes, right. So, uh, but that player base, fortunately, could just go pick up Game Maker or Unity. Yeah, so just make games. it. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. A, there's a certain point where where you're just not programming, and, and actually, we have gotten a lot of requests for people to be able to actually write AI code for the enemies. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're literally just making your own game. Yep. <laughs> uh, and you're not. It's not like le- Levelhead. There's also like a branding, like an IP issue, which is like Levelhead needs to have a coherent sense of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a certain there's a certain way in which we could sort of like just open things up such that anything can be anything and nothing matters. Um, where now level head is just more like a weird sort of like asset game engine, game engine yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, but as, as far as like people creating bad experiences, like I agree with you guys, which is, it's just all about discoverability mm-hmm. uh, and making it so that, so that yeah, anybody can make anything bad, but as a player, you should generally see mostly good, th- mostly yeah. good things. Mm-hmm. And, and so far, actually, that's be- that's borne out pretty fast. Yeah, the, the big question will be is if the systems we have in place will will still work once we have the onslaught of players from launch. Yep, which I'm is very super excited to see what happens. Yeah, which is very it's it'll be interesting no matter what. I'm um, just curious what the total cost and exposure bucks is going to be to have your game to have your level at the top. Like be at the top because the thing is like they they're supposed to flip out of there relatively quickly. We'll probably do away with something like the two hour requirement or something like that, depending on what we need to do. But yeah. Yeah, we'll, need, we'll need to actually I think we have to decouple. I think being at the top is going to be highly sporadic and also extremely high generally. 
because mm-hmm. like people for whatever reason continuously give tips to the level that's already at the top yeah. uh, if they really like it. Mm-hmm. And so imagine if you've got 50,000 people in the marketing department all tipping the, the top level, right? And they're like, yeah, that level is just going to have, you know, a million exposure bucks on it. But then the number two level, like it's as, as we've actually it's seen, law, yeah, yeah. What we've seen with, with uh, top charts on games and everything else, it always follows this like factor of 10 kind of thing. We're like the top thing Should is we 10 be times. factoring exposure bucks into your spiciness score? No, because uh, the, well, yeah, the, the reality then is that. Because they're kind of like likes or favorites, you know? No, they're more a measure of traffic. Yeah. Probably than anything else. Because you sometimes tip levels you don't necessarily like and vice versa. Do right. you? But we are factoring now likes and favorites in into yeah, spiciness yeah. so that is happening is it doing anything i have no idea i, I, I don't know there is one do the charts look better now some people worse? are now having a spiciness of zero so we might have we might have missed a, a spiciness of zero we might have missed a, par- a parentheses <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need to uh spiciness go a little slow yeah so we did so we did make it there's a multiplier in there yeah so you can multiply by zero so it well, it's supposed to always be one plus some rate, right? Yeah. So it should always multiply above. But one. it is possible for values to go negative, right? So if you have a if you have a small mm. enough number of hold on, if you have a small enough number of players, this is due to another bug where people where a level can have a negative number of favorites on it. Yeah. So okay. it's a, if there's a combination of multiple bugs on top of each other, then boom, you got it. You got. We'll need to sort this out after yeah. the podcast. Yeah, I think it only happens if you have a tiny number of players on it, right? Yeah. Is it happening in the tower? I don't, I don't know. Okay. We'll, we'll, figure we'll figure this out, out off of the air. <laughs> yeah. Not the time. It is kind of interesting, though. Uh, it? Yes. Uh, all right. Next question comes from. saying no, but. Next, yes, but it's, no. it is to us, but not to them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Captain Jazz. Does a game have bad graphics or a different art style? Love you guys in the podcast. As a side note, this podcast has had a definite impact on my life. I can't imagine earning my engineering internship if I had not mentioned the word DevOps during my interview. Hey, yeah. nice. Got to know those buzzwords. Congrats. Because everyone knows engineering courses don't talk about that. Thanks again. They guys. don't. It's true. They probably also don't talk about Git. No. You know? Nope. No. Uh, so what do we think? Bad art or different art? Uh, I think I if think you find yourself in the position where you have to make that distinction, it's probably it's bad art. Yep. I've seen people do this many times. Yep. Don't defend it by saying it's just different. Yeah. If yeah, if people come in saying that they think your game looks bad, they are correct because their perception is the reality of how the viewer of your game is seeing it. Well, not always though, right? Because there are there are those people who, for example, they don't care about anything that's not uh, like a 3d yeah, yeah. i'm, it's not, it's I'm speaking more person. in the aggregate yeah. Yeah. yeah like if if the typical response of right. a random person on the internet it's is like mm, is like this doesn't look very good you right. know then that because again it's like it's like the pineapple on pizza you know which yeah. is that which is that people have different preferences but there's also a clear like overarching preference mm-hmm. um so because like there's also games like rim world which here's the weird thing about RimWorld. It's ugly. It's ugly, but also it's not it doesn't look bad. I 100 percent disagree. Because like <laughs> it's it's totally internally consistent with itself. Yeah, it has that. In that it's for ugly. It. Yes. I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. But it reminds it reminds me of playing games in like the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. You know? With like um, yeah, with those art assets. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't find RimWorld to be particularly hideous. I don't I it definitely doesn't look good. Like yeah. I can, yeah. I can un, unequivocally say it does not look good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's in terms of like the color palettes that they use for everything and all that stuff. And like, it's fine. There's nothing like garish about it or, or hard to look at. It's just not like, it's not the art. It's not beautiful. 
the, the thing to me about it is the question is always, is the art doing something for the game? Right. That's just the question. And here the answer is no. Yeah. So, so is squarely, like, RimWorld is such a good game that yeah. the art doesn't have to be good, which is so rare. That can, that almost never happens. Yes. But also, I think importantly, uh, if they did have more elaborate, so for example, the characters have no arms and legs. Yeah. Right? They're you, can just a, you can get a mod with those, though. Oh, my oh you God. did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, one that adds feet to the cat. Yeah, like, none, of the, none of the animals have yes, legs. No, the animals. Legs. Everything is just a body and a head. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that way it doesn't be animated. Yeah, and th- and that's actually what allows, partially what allows for the game to have so many things happening. Correct on yep. screen at a time is no animation, no animation, right? And and very few draw and calls and stuff. Do they have collision checking? Even I can't. I guess they do to some extent. They do. They do pathfinding and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. So it's maybe maybe what it's what the artist doing for the game is just allowing it to exist. Yeah, it's optimistic. <laughs> the thing is, like you you could make better art that fits the same constraints. So that's again, that's not really yeah. It's all kind of moot. But I think the <laughs> the general point is always asking yourself is is it possible that my that the art could be doing more for the game? Whether it's um, carving out an interesting visual niche so that people when they see it know what it is. So that's the weird thing that's happened with ours is that even though I would argue that uh, the art up through at least like half a quadrupus and even like frankly some of Crashlands. Um not that it's not the greatest by any stretch. Um but weirdly enough it has a distinct enough look to it that some people did like it, right? So it was it wasn't the case that it was just sort of universally like this is really a hideous situation. Well I, I don't think I don't think we ever got comments about the about the games looking bad. Like mm-hmm. I, I think the art definitely had some rough edges in the earlier days. Um but it I don't think it ever reached a point of just being like ugly yeah it was pretty close though there were a couple <laughs> there were a couple things in tal fight had a little there, there were a couple seven. things in tal fight that had some quirks but <laughs> you uh, say that yeah but i mean honestly like by the time we by the time quadrupus rolled around it was it, it was, was going fine yeah. yeah um so i don't know it's so yeah if people are i guess the long story short if people are saying that they don't like how your game looks you should maybe consider that as a yeah, but I think, I think yeah, it's but also case. recognize that anything you make, people will say that they don't like to look up. Yeah, some yeah. some so people, yeah, will. Same, yeah. yeah, yeah, and also you can't broadly distribute a game like you can't if you unless you're already broadly distributed, you can't know because you don't have enough people right. giving you feedback. Um, so I think I think I don't know. I, I find it weird the idea because I because I know I can't make good looking art. Mm-hmm. That is a fact, right? But I also, if I were sat down and made art, I would if I looked at it, I wouldn't think this is good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I find it. I'm I'm always baffled when I see something that is clearly bad. Here's my take that the creator <laughs> doesn't understand is bad. My take on that is that because we we all have the same aesthetic world we live in, you know. Yeah, but my take on that is that there's such a creative high that you get from making stuff. Yeah, truthfully, and when your stuff is visual, then what you've made is a thing to look at, right? That's just what yep. you've created, and so I think looking at it, you basically you impart your feelings of having made it. Onto the onto thing. the thing because it feels great to have made it, and so you're like, it feels great to have made it. Therefore, this thing is great to some degree, right? And I think that's just kind of where that is. That's where people. Well, I think it's well because to me this is interesting because of imposter syndrome. You know mm-hmm. where because I would I would much more expect it just to go the other way where where it seems more likely to me that somebody or it seems more understandable to me, but also potentially more likely that if somebody makes something that is good, they don't think it's good. I think that starts to happen when you actually start knowing what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, it, is, is, is this a Dunning-Kruger problem? I think it's a Dunning-Kruger thing, yeah. yeah. I think early on, like, it's very easy to be like, whoa, you know, because you, you made, like, a human form that is readable well, as a human. humanoid yeah, form. That yeah. is yeah. readable as a humanoid. Um, but it probably is, like, lifeless and kind of stiff and the anatomy is all weird. But you did yeah. it, and so it's very exciting, and so you put it in a game. Um, 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of that early mm-hmm. on. But then as you get good, then you can you start living in this weird space where you mainly just recognize where your shortcomings are when you're looking yep. at something. Yeah, then there's a certain point you reach where you have a pretty good sense of what you, of where you land, like yeah. what you're capable of, and you're also generally unhappy about it. <laughs> yep. Well, because you know where you, you know both. where you need to go, like you yeah. you know where your where your actual weaknesses yeah. are. Well, it's, well, yeah, it's not necessarily about being unhappy about it; it's being aware of the things that could be better while still potentially being happy about the yeah. thing that you made. There's this really fun video. Uh, I think it's by Sykra on YouTube. It's S Y C R A. Um, and it's something about it's like the the sixteen different domains of knowledge for art, and so it basically just breaks down like all the things you actually need to know to make like a competent picture, right? And when people think about drawing or just art generally, like they sort of lump into art, you know, it just feels like one thing. And in reality, it's these, it's this huge suite of skills and he just sort of breaks it down in this giant grid. And it's, it is terrifying to look at because if someone told you like in order to make one image that looks good, you have to learn all of these things. It's like web dev. That's what it reminds me of where web dev, you have to code in like five different fucking languages, set up a server on your computer and another one, like do all this weird shit. So really just to get one. So really it's a safety, it's a safety mechanism to like psychologically have this, this tendency to, be bad at things, but also be excited about it. I think, yeah, I think it's a great place. To yeah, otherwise, how would you accomplish it? Yeah, you yeah. have to live there for a bit. Because yeah. otherwise, yeah, you're just going to look at this and be like, there is a mountain yeah. in front of me. If you I genuinely could it. recognize how bad at something you were at the beginning, you just yeah. would stop immediately. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. It's that mixture of uh, like ignorance and arrogance is the way you sort of like slowly make your way into actual expertise, right? Because yeah, you do have this in code, too. It is, I have seen a lot of people being unreasonably confident in the code that yes. they have created that I looked at. Um, uh, I won't talk about any context or context. <laughs> so I don't right. like name anybody or anything, but, but, but to the point where it was just, it was so clearly just bad along every dimension, what you're supposed to like, you're supposed to use to write good code. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and the person was so unaware of it and just seemed to be like very pumped about the skill level they were at. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think this is all really just the same problem, right? Which is at the very beginning yeah. But the moment you can start doing stuff, like and it works, you go from zero to like to one, yeah. right? You make that, you make that leap uh, and you suddenly feel very powerful. Right. Um, yeah. I, guess I, I think it's an important feeling. It's it what is, allows yeah. us to, to keep going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's kind of, I think that's that, kind of a bummer then too. Right. Because that means that now, now, cause now if you're say like, if you're, if you're a programmer applying for a job and you submit mm-hmm. this as your portfolio, right. And then you think, and because, because you thought you were so good, you didn't take the next step, which is the important one of realizing how bad you yes. are and actually like learning yes. and becoming good at it. Then now you're forever stuck in the position where you can't break in the industry because people evaluating your work and be like, this is bad, which can be fine if you then say, this is bad. I have a lot of work to do. Right. But if you present it so as you good stuff, you yeah. can never know the same way if you're trying to sell a game. Yes. Right. And you say, there's nothing wrong with my art. It's just different. Right. Yeah. That's, that's where sort of handling the feedback is is the core skill and i think also where frankly you should just just always be in a state of learning because that's actually that's become sort of my personal insurance policy against it where i'm like i'm actually just learning all the time so i recognize how bad i am at literally everything all the time because i'm just i'm always trying to learn stuff instead of instead of recognize instead of trying to feel like i know things yeah just try to try to recognize that you never know enough and so you just keep on and you gotta you always have to disentangle your sense of self from things in order to do it because you have to be able to say Yes, I'm not as I'm not as good at this thing as I want to be, but this doesn't mean that I'm bad or mm-hmm. I'm bad at or even that I'm bad at this, right? It's just that I have a particular 
set of skills. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's it. And if, yeah. I, and if I want those skills to be better, that doesn't mean that I'm bad or whatever. It just means mm-hmm. that I got to work on making those skills better. Yeah, actually. So I, I have was uh, putting together my GDC talks this past week. I've been getting some feedback from my advisors and stuff on just the content and everything. And uh, I've been loving it. Just like, yeah. on, on, like having somebody who. Have they been like really digging in on the feedback? Yeah, like it's, you know, it's very, it's like I'm getting both like structural things as well as very specific things. Mm And and my response to all of it is like, yeah, I agree. Like, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is a problem and I need to fix it. Um, Because I do think that there's, there is that that tendency, like you said, to uh, kind of like attach yourself to the thing, attach your ego to the thing and think like, I made this and. And it has to be good because if it's bad, then I'm bad. And then you kind of go down this weird. I think the reality is it's actually where it's where usually you start for whatever reason. It seems culturally. That's actually where you start and you have to, you have to work away from that. There are very few people who, who naturally just have that sort of egoless. I loved your story about Diana early on. Yeah. So my wife's one of those people who just for whatever reason, (laughs) she's just fine with it. So like I, I walked into her apartment early on in our relationship and there was this like freshly designed uh, printout thing on the table and I just looked at it and she was getting ready and I just yelled, whose hideous work is this? Because <laughs> you thought it was I thought it was like a, I thought it was some or- weird thing she downloaded <laughs> off the internet. Like I was just a random picture. <laughs> and she's like, what? She yells for me. Like, That's my final for my illustration class. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but she was fine. But then there's no saving it because you literally just announced that it's hideous. Oh, yeah. I just announced it. But her, her response was – was so saint-like that it was just blew my mind because yeah. she was like, which, we, is, which is particularly hilarious too, because that is the worst way to give feedback. 100%, 100%. It was terrible. You just fucking, you just slammed it. You just like basically suplexed her. Yeah. I, well, I thought I was just suplexing some random like picture. I didn't know. Yeah. Anything. You normally got to dance around it a little bit. No, I was just, I went in there. <laughs> we got right in. But her response was incredible. And she, she just goes, well, we got to like, we got to go fix it. Can you come with me to fix it? No, because she no wants emotion. to know what's wrong with it. Yeah, no emotional response whatsoever. Yep. She's like, Can you tell me what's wrong with it? And I was like, Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't I got a, a list. It wasn't <laughs> a uh Yeah, she wasn't like, Well, I think it's good. But yeah. I think it was just, oh my God, the first person who saw this thinks it's terrible. I gotta figure this shit out. Right. Yeah. I guess so, my training from this came from from doing grad school because because like if somebody says something is wrong mm-hmm. with your experimental setup or the way you're not analyze your data or whatever, they're just either right or wrong and that's the end of it, right? Um but it was really interesting how I don't know if it's most, I don't, my memory doesn't go back far enough to like really be able to say, but a sizable <laughs> fraction of the people who, who I saw, you know, present their work, mm-hmm. um, always fought back when people ask questions and like, and dug in. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's for stuff that just can be, cause there's no, like, there's no objective truth in science, of course, but, but there are things like, yes, it is, it is usually better to have a median than a mean, for example, right. or a and larger if you're use, sample or a larger a sample. One. And if you're going to use something like, uh, you know, a, a statistical test, right. right. Then that means certain things sort of by convention even, right? It's not, it's, there's not a truth there, but there's a convention and there's right. a kind of a common way of doing things. And so if somebody says, hey, you did this r- wrong, like in a way that doesn't make sense for what you're trying to do, it was just – I, I That's find that, just true. It's right. just true as far as everybody this, can right. – It's just true, but it's it still people really wanted to dig in and, mm-hmm. and it felt – and it, it had to have been that they felt like it was them being attacked, not this thing that they had made, you know? Uh, but not, it, not only that, but like if somebody tells you that, now they've given you homework. You know what I mean? There's like there's also that yeah. that resistance of just like fuck. Yeah, I, I works. I mean, this is I think what has been one of my core like things to get over with getting feedback about the art. Mm-hmm. It's like it's usually it's more so the fact that for example, if I did like six frames of animation or something, and it's like oh we actually need to change this, and I'm just like ah 
no, can we not? <laughs> like, can we just right. not from a work standpoint? Right. Yeah, the, the instinct is immediately to try to avoid having extra stuff thrown onto yes. your plate, kind of regardless of oh, yeah. the context yeah, of, yeah. of that. No matter what it is. But it's not – it's just a – it's a natural human thing to yeah. to try to do. Uh, all right. Anyway, let's go on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> what are we ever talking about? I don't know. Art. Uh, next question comes from Alawaka Kamiya. Who's a good one. Who says, have you found any game playing related skill that's transferred into the real world? For example, when I'm game at Casey's play. to grab a sweet taco pizza, my timing <laughs> ability from level head allows me to stop on exactly a zero at the end of my fueling. Ooh. Oh, he does the little like playing the game with the gasoline pump. Yes. And, yes. Al- and also, slip, I was trying to, slip was trying it in to that. piece this story together and I was trying to figure out how the taco had a timer now, on it. The Casey's Taco Pizza was just a little Midwestern sort of uh-huh. dunk. No. I get, how, how, far, how far does Casey's spread? I think it's just the Midwest, isn't it? But is, is it, it all south, the Midwest? Is it Texas? Do, do we have them here? Yeah, we have here. Casey's no, is a gas station I I seen one in the Midwest. At least in Iowa. At least in Iowa. It's got like this real weird plastic red brick. Roof. Yep. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, their pizza is bizarrely good. Yes. And it's very of, greasy. It's that's probably why. It's so yeah. Good. I mean, you literally you, you get a piece and you just see there's a layer of grease that just lives on top mm-hmm. of that. Thing. Yeah. So you go to you go to Casey's, you get your gas station pizza, and you enjoy that shit. <laughs> that's an Iowa delicacy. <laughs> Although the, the the asker also did refer to it as a sweet Casey's pizza, which presumably so it pineapple it pineapple it's on by it. pineapple pizza. Well, or maybe gra- it was just sweet, like a I, well, sweet. so sweet is lowercase, but taco pizza are uppercase. So uh, it's possible that sweet yeah. was simply a descriptor of sort Adjective. of how they felt yeah. about that the taco pizza. That's fair. It's better than a sick taco pizza. You don't yeah. want one of those. Nope, that's gross. Sick and sweet. Uh, do you guys have any skills that have come out of your game play? I've got two. What? One typing 130 words per minute. I actually type really fast too. I think it's hundred percent from playing WoW. It's from playing World of Warcraft. I didn't play WoW, and I only can type it like a hundred words per minute. Exactly. So Never trained. You, yeah. you weak baby. <laughs> uh, and that's just because you start casting a spell. It takes three seconds. That's a fucking long time, but it's also a weirdly short time to type an entire sentence. Mm-hmm. So you got to learn how to type entire sentences in under three seconds. That's it. And uh, you do that for you know six hundred days of playtime <laughs> pretty soon you're typing but I think you had to, per <laughs> but do you, do you write so in that context are you writing you know f- complete words and the whole thing oh yeah we always did i, there were I always people, did i was like i don't i do not write a text message that doesn't start with a capital letter and end with a p. Yeah, yeah i always i always use proper grammar in all c- contexts and, and it pisses actually. me off when people are like it's just the internet because what like if you fill that in, it's like it's just a permanent record of literally everything I've ever said and thought that anybody can look up at any time or, <laughs> or screenshot and put up on Reddit. Yeah, there's no way this could come back and bite me. No, it will. It will. <laughs> use grammar. Use capitals. Uh-huh. Use apostrophes. Well, but also it's good training. training. It's good training. I think because yeah. I think because the important part of this isn't even that it was three seconds that you had. It was that despite that fact, you refused. You refuse to just write single letter abbreviations. I never things, write. Right? I never write the letter U. Instead and so of the reason you can type so fast is the, is the combination of those two things. That you had to fit mm-hmm. lengthy ideas into a small amount this of time. Is that Robert and Frost poem. Refuse to shorten it. You know that's what I was thinking. Took the road less fresh, traveled. Yeah, and it's made all the difference. Yeah, but yeah, you, <laughs> you you will just be a better writer if literally every time you write anything, you do it as correctly yeah. as you are, are so capable. Now, there's What's your second skill. My second skill hasn't happened yet, but it will. Mm, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Okay. What have you been playing? In EVE Online, I have created a character named Terea Española, which means Spanish work. 
Oh. I'm going to join a Spanish corp that only speaks Spanish, oh. and I'm going to learn how to speak Spanish. <laughs> that is very smart. Specifically, Eve Spanish, which I assume has all kinds. It's going to be a lot of weird and jargon st- and, <laughs> and spaceship euphemisms in yep, there. That's going to. But be here's amazing. the thing about video games: is is so like they say the best way to learn a language is immerse yourself in it. That's very smart. I didn't even think about that. In an that's MMO, you can actually start with the text. Right, because you can yeah. just chat with people over the text chat, and you can like learn how learn the words and learn how to read it. Then you can jump into the voice chat, and you can just lurk there and just listen and try to figure out what people mm. are saying. And then in time, you can start to you know be, emerge from lurking and become Man, a participant. Don't tell the investors of Duolingo this. Yeah, all you got to oh do God. is just join a different language group in an MMO. Yeah. So now it's, all you got to do is as effective for all languages. Learn all about interstellar travel and mining and learning all that and also learn a foreign language. My recommendation <laughs> is just – It sounds like a double win. It does. My recommendation is to, to do this in a game that you're already familiar yeah. with. <laughs> <laughs> and that has a lot of chat. That's the, it has to be a slow game. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And also with a language that you are able to type – Yes. Because if you want to go try to take a CJK language. Oh yeah, I want it because there's also Russian groups in EVE and German yeah. groups and stuff like that. Basically, every country has their own area of space that they've kind of staked out. And there's like international wars going on through this video game. Just like in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I don't even know how to make a Russian letter. And I also don't know how to <laughs> I don't know how to read them either. You can so on, you can switch over your Microsoft keyboard to any other keyboard you want. It won't match what's written on it. But that's yeah. <laughs> the first. Yeah. So That's probably what I would need work. to do is like first, first learn, yeah, first yeah. learn, you know, German and Spanish and stuff like that, and then I can start migrating yeah. over. Mm-hmm. So, All right, Adam, you got any skills? Uh, I don't think I ever got good enough at video games for a skill to come out of that into the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Can you play soccer now because of Rocket League? Do you nope, know the, can't do that. The rules <laughs> can't do that. The problem is, I think it's 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 acting as if there's a direct corollary. Right. Yeah. I think it's it's likely that I have had some significant and important impacts on my overall capacity to move my fingers quickly and yep. with accuracy. Mm-hmm. Right. Or uh, I, I still cannot compute three dimensional spaces in real life either because I don't have any visual memory. So that kind of gets mm-hmm. in the way of that. Um, but it's possible it would be even worse, you know, mm-hmm. without games. I have no idea. There's been interesting studies where if you, if you play sort of like shooter games, what they've done the studies on, but. Um, they do increase yeah, your visual acuity yeah. a ton and also your your peripheral range. Yep. So they will literally make you better at like driving and stuff. Yeah. But just by default, which is strange. But you wouldn't you wouldn't come off of playing Overwatch for like a hundred hours and be like, I could drive better now. That doesn't feel like it's yeah a thing. So I, I think there's a bunch think, of subtle effects. So I I played a lot of Gran Turismo before I got my driver's license. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I played that. I played probably like three or four hundred hours of Gran Turismo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know how like pilots need to do the simulator before yeah. they can, and uh, I found it very easy to to learn how to drive, and I've I've never gotten any, I've never been in an accident that was my fault. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> I've had people randomly t-bone me while I was just driving down the interstate, <laughs> which is people shouldn't be going sideways across that, which is a <laughs> snowy landscape. That's a pro tip. That's, that's what, yeah, pro tip. Don't go sideways across the interstate. You go go in the direction of the road. <laughs> um. But yeah, that helped that helped me out a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I'm, I'm I, hoping, did, I still don't know what a Hemi is, though. But that's, uh, that's a half of an engine. Yeah. yeah. Which, is it? Which half is it? Is it's it the, the good, half. The good, half, the good yeah. half. They get rid of the bad yeah. half. That's why it's right. a premium. Well, I think no, because a holy is still better than a Hemi. If you don't, uh, if you yeah. don't yeah. have it with the wo holy, if you, a, ho- yes. a holy with just an H is worse than all. But of that's these. where that's the pistons good. go. 
and go in the holies. Yeah. <laughs> I know cars. I think my hope has been that with level head, that what people get from constantly designing levels for people is actually that it, my hope is that it actually is honing design sense for literally yeah. thousands of people, which actually we've seen it doing. But it's also solving door problems, right? Because mm-hmm. that whole because you have to think through everything. Because you, yep. you have to basically ask a question: What is a player going to do? It's not. It's not just what do I want the player to do. Yes. It's what is the player actually going to do, so you can guide that. Which is which is why I, in particular, am impressed by and enjoy the trap style. They're games. so not, funny. not the troll levels. I think those are just yeah. like trap adventure yeah. style, like trap adventure style, because those. Clear, those are designed like to design one of those really well. You have to exactly understand what you are causing the player to do. It's mm-hmm. actually a psychological thing, right? And so I think I think that if you can pull off a really good trap adventure style game, um, I think that demonstrates that you have good design sense. Because design sense is all, all about how do I make a player do what I want. Um, mm-hmm. Our dream when we started making level head is we were like we want it to be the case that if somebody applies for a game design job or a level design job or whatever mm-hmm. that they can actually point to their level head portfolio yeah. Yeah. and be like, look at this crazy shit that I've made. Yep. And if that actually holds up as like a valid yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, but the hope is that because you're getting just tons of feedback, especially people for people who are actually participating in the discord and on the Steam mm-hmm. forums and stuff like that. And if people start putting up YouTube videos and get yeah, comments, it's like you're getting and tons and of feedback that um, the weird thing about it is as a sort of a, as a newborn designer, you actually tend to be in scenarios where you get almost no feedback, even if you're yeah. in school for it, right? Because you get feedback from your peers, but they don't know anything. They don't know anything, but also, I mean, the projects usually are longer. Yeah. They're bigger projects. And so you're not getting this super rapid feedback. And so my hope is actually that we're sort of secretly training up, not even just level designers, but just designers. So people who have that design yeah. methodology baked into their brains. Yeah, yeah that, whole, that whole understanding how people interact with the thing yeah. is, is what design is. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get really good at it in level head, you can just... Like it's, it's a legit scale yeah. and it should start appearing elsewhere for you, I would suspect. So I'd actually be curious if anybody has any examples of that mm-hmm. where they can tell a difference in terms of how they've been thinking about things outside no. the context of Levelhead since playing a lot of Levelhead. Anybody can talk about that? Yeah. Send some notes in. I'm curious. Yeah. Was it podcast at bscotch.net that are email? That, that is an email and goes somewhere. It goes somewhere. I think it goes to Sam. It might go to me. I think. Podcast <laughs> at bscotch.net. Yes. Yeah. Trying to stay consistent, you know? Mm-hmm. The normal website is podcast.bscotch.net. Yeah. So yeah. don't email that because that's just a website. Correct. Yeah. That'd be ridiculous. You're not sure <laughs> your email. I hope you have an email client that's good enough to be like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. There's got to be an at in here, buckaroo. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting this podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, or you can email Sam random things at podcast at bscotch. But don't email me random things. Email me the answer to my damn question. They should be podcast related things. Yeah. Say the question again. One last time. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what it was. It was. Uh, uh, what have, has there been a circumstance in which after playing a lot of Levelhead, you've noticed yourself thinking differently about how to approach said circumstance because of the design capabilities you're practicing in Levelhead? Yes, there it is. Boom. One time. Straight from the centaur's mouth. When I was trying to learn how to make 3D models, I kept being <laughs> – like after just doing 3D modeling for like 12 hours, every object I looked at, it was like I could superimpose a You could see, a mesh you could see the matrix, it, you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. It's weird. Yep. All right. Well, that's all. That's it. That's all we got. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.